This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. J.J. Watt in the backfield. J.J. Watt, baby. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. What you don't know is, well, how bad it could have been off the top of this edition of Cardinals Underground. Not just the fact that I'm rusty coming off the vacation, okay? <laughs> and if you think I'm already a step slow, uh, wait till you see what's going to happen here in this edition, okay, of Cardinals Underground. But if if I had rocked the mustache in here, instead of shaving it off about mm, three and a half, four hours ago, man, you guys would have been in for it. I would have been in for it because it would have been fodder, no doubt. Danny Sarek, Darren Urban, yours truly, Pauly Podcast over here. Uh, What? If Max Williams still had the mustache going, I was going to match him this training camp because he had a great mustache last training camp, and I so desperately had wished I hadn't shaded it off. But this time around, boom, uh, you know, I'm going to go clean shave. Why don't you ever get a beard? <laughs> no, no, that that probably that would not be in my best interest. So that, now I have to think about this for a year until your next vacation. Well, I could show you a really bad selfie, but I won't. Once again, I'm sparing both of you in, in multiple ways here. Okay, so you know, Ohms is very familiar with it I've, over there. I've seen the I've seen yeah. the mustache. Yeah. I haven't. Yeah. So. We had Drew Stanton in earlier for Red Sea Report. Drew Stanton and Carson Palmer, they had good yeah, mustache. Yeah, yeah, the did. two of them combined had a good mustache. Uh, once again, uh, I tried to compete with those two, and just like Max Williams on the losing end, no doubt about it. So I feel like you should have a mustache. Isn't it hard to grow a good mustache? If you can do it, you should do it. When, you tell me. You remember, who is, who, is the, who is the consultant that we had come in talk to us, Paul? Oh, boy. Yeah, uh, from ESPN, know, yeah. once upon a time. Jerry yeah. Madelon. Jim, Jerry, great guy. I enjoyed Jerry yep. very much, and sure. we all had one-on-ones and Mm -hmm. what we did was he took some of the videos and he did one-on-ones with all of us and when he happened to come in that happened to be the one year where i had some facial hair and he was like this 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 and he's like and by the way he goes i was shaved by the time we talked he goes don't ever have any facial hair that doesn't that doesn't work for you and i'm like well thanks jerry i appreciate that danny have you ever had that meeting with a consultant the on-air consultant because uh, I, I went through this not too long ago at Channel 15. She was vicious, this national consultant. And she just absolutely obliterated my appearance. You need this. You need that. Use this makeup. Do that. I mean. Is that why you left? And then, and then <laughs> she hurt my feelings. But, but from what I've been told, like, she will go, especially with the female anchors, will actually go into their closet at their mm-hmm. house and say, throw this out. Get rid of this. This is, and I'm like, wow, that, that's you. That is the potential to really take that personal. Yeah, I haven't had anybody come into my closet per se. I've actually, I worked with Jerry Madelon briefly when I was with the Cowboys, and I work with a broadcast coach, Joe Montgomery, on my own. And she, she does more like content, but she's really great. She definitely has opinions on things I have worn and that I'm not allowed to wear on camera again, and hairstyles I'm not allowed to have on camera. And, color lipstick that looks better on my skin tone like there's there's a lot that goes into when you see what i'm wearing on camera that's for sure they're paid to have an opinion and they share it believe me it's uh yeah so you can't have a thin skin on that one so in some ways i guess that ties into cardinals underground here doesn't that because we're going to have an opinion on the appearance of the cardinals going into this training camp yes and uh you know and by the way speaking of appearances are we seeing a trend in the nfl alternate helmets have you seen that the Texans have an alternate red helmet? As of today, Carolina came out with their Black Panther. And it's sick. You like it? I love it. So I'm wondering, how many emails do we think? What's the over-under, the BetMGM over-under on how many emails Darren will get into the mailbag about a potential Cardinals alternate helmet? I'm curious of all of the comments on every single social media post that says new uniforms is now going to be right. alternate helmets. Oh, boy. Well, I guess I guess we'll see now that you've teed that up. Appreciate that, Paul. 
Well, you know what? You were answering too many basketball questions. We had to get at least back to football in some regard, Darren. You know, I'll be honest, and and that's fine with me. I, I but it was a short mailbag this week, just because there wasn't a whole lot of questions to be thrown out there. But you did lead. Right, here we go. Here's the segue. Don't bury the lead. There was a happening in time for the mailbag, and it was. Rodney Hudson there will you indeed go. play. Okay, your reaction. Let's go. What do you think, Rodney Hudson, in the fold? I think it's great news. Um, it was definitely something to keep an eye on. It's, I'm sure, a relief for this front office, not having to go find a veteran, not having to see if you're going to have to rely on Sean Harlow or move Justin Pugh from left guard to center, who doesn't have a lot of experience there either. Rodney Hudson was the anchor of that offensive line, and we saw it last year when he was out with COVID or injuries that – it really affected the cohesiveness of that offensive line and how Kyler Murray performed to a certain degree. So having Rodney Hudson commit to playing with this team again is great news for Kyler Murray, great news for this offensive line and for this offense as a whole. You did not want to go into week one and find out the hard way. Jeez, is Justin Pugh a center after all? Is Sean Harlow really capable of doing You didn't want to find that out because, you know what, you probably wouldn't have found out to a large degree in the preseason when you're seeing so many vanilla defenses and vanilla fronts. You don't want to go in and say, oh, boy, guess what? Kansas City is dialing it up for the sake of dialing up because they have an inexperienced center up there, and then, boom, you pay the price. Honestly, and it's a moot point now, I personally think that Justin Pugh was not going to be your center when the season started if there was not Rodney Hudson. I think they would have signed somebody. That's my, JC Treader, for example. my personal feeling on it. But having Hudson back makes it a big deal. I mean, we spent all last year talking about the impact Rodney Hudson had on everything, on Kyler Murray in the huddle, on Kyler Murray's confidence. DJ Humphreys, how many times has DJ Humphreys sat up there and said, I just play left tackle and do whatever Rodney tells me to do? I mean, That's right. I don't know if it's quite yeah. that straightforward but I mean Rodney Hudson is playing a huge role played a huge role in this team you, you you need him for more than 12 games this year hopefully keep your fingers crossed that he doesn't miss five games again but um, I, I think that's a, a gigantic thing and this this offensive line did look pretty good early in the season when everybody was healthy and kind of going yeah Cardinals were nine and three with Rodney Hudson two and three without Rodney Hudson that was a stat Craig Grillo busted out on the Red Sea report it his performance was to the point where Steve Kime and the pre-draft presser told the media that he was rethinking the position groups that are worthy of a first-round pick. That before Rodney Hudson, he wasn't even he didn't really consider center were the position itself worthy of a first-round pick. But because of Rodney Hudson and the impact he had on the offensive line, and hence what you look, we all talk about no quarterback, no chance, no offensive line, no chance. And Darren, we saw that before the Kurt Warner days, before the Super Bowl run. What was the Cardinals' real malady? They had talent. They had Anquan Bolden. They had Larry Fitzgerald. But they didn't have an offensive line until they at least solidified things to a large degree in 2008, and that enabled the Super Bowl run. But how many years leading up to that did we all lament the lack of an offensive line, which would just undermine any talent you had on that side of the ball? And again, when we start talking about, and that's end up being the gold standard around here in a lot of ways because, of course, that team made the Super Bowl, but – that offensive line was not great by any stretch of the imagination, but they were solid, and they played together. They they started every game and every playoff game. It was the same five guys, which you rarely have in this league, and that's such a big deal. And, and you know, I, I think there's still some questions as we go into camp. I mean, if there hadn't been a center, that would have been the biggest question. But you, you get to leave Justin Pugh at left guard, which I think is good. Humphreys is at left tackle. You have Hudson. I think probably Will Hernandez is your right guard, but that's still not a lock, and we'll see what happens. I, I think Beecham's probably your right tackle, but we'll see if Josh Jones can push him a little bit. And even if they don't push for the starting jobs, then you still have a little bit of depth there, and, and it just it just changes the whole dynamic having Hudson there, and I think it makes everybody feel a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, just talking about the carryover from last year, I mean, given – Again, injuries and COVID, but it took until week 17 to have all five of your starting offensive linemen start a game with Kyler Murray. So you're hoping that wow. you're not. Yeah, but well, because remember that they were trying to figure out what they were wanting to do with Josh Jones and so many injuries that were happening back to back in those first like six or seven weeks. Um, so the fact that you have that consistency on this offensive line to start the season, assuming everyone gets through training camp. Well, and that's healthy, the thing. 
we were we were talking about this the other day with, with uh, well, you and me, Danny, and and I mean, you can't. We're going to go into training camp. We're going to talk about this team, but things can change in training camp. Wins and losses can't change in training camp, but the roster sure can. It's a good thing you don't believe in jinxes. No, I don't believe in jinxes. <laughs> no way. So so we know the what. And the I'm when. Glad you learned that about me, though. I'm happy about I that. read the mailbag. I appreciate it. And the where on Rodney Hudson. He's back. He's playing for the Cardinals. He's your starting center. Do we know the why? Why the unexcused absence? I mean, we have theories, right? I mean, we all have theories. One, was it a veteran move? I just feel like missing the offseason. Two, was it, you know what? Um, I'm really, truly considering and contemplating retirement, sort of like a Justin Pugh until he came back. Was it the business of football, the fact that his cap number was scheduled to go from 2.9 to 12.6 from year one to year two in a Cardinals uniform? So was there some business of football going on behind the scenes? Did they have to arrive at some sort of number? We truly don't know, do we? No, and I'm I'm sure as soon as Rodney meets for the media the first time, I'm sure the first thing he's going to do is offer up exactly what the happened. Yeah. Okay, maybe not. So you're saying we're never going to know? I don't think we're ever going to officially know. I've, I I have some thoughts, but I uh, nothing that I'm really excited to necessarily put out there. But I mean, I I, I think ultimately, um, I think ultimately it's one of those things where a guy's got to make decisions there at the end of a career over kind of how many times you're you're going to want to go through something like this. I mean, it's it's hard to turn down eleven million dollars. Is it? I don't know that I had that hard of a time. I, I, I gotta know. I gotta know what kind of life you're leading, Danny. If if you're asking that question, the <laughs> did, did, Danny, did you really, really just say it's not that hard? To, Kidding. To, to okay, all right. Just want to make sure. Not, come on, guys. I know okay. it's been a while since we've had a podcast, but okay. come on. I'm just not sure yeah, if your exactly. middle name's Vanderbilt or something like that. I wasn't really sure exactly. I could so, see that. Okay, all she's right. from Hoy, uh, hoity-toity part of Dallas, isn't she? <laughs> no, she's from one of those oil families. I don't have Dallas any idea what you're. Saying, I wish. So you're yeah. Okay. All right. Well, look. Uh, now you don't have to find out the hard way if you have a, a center capable of uh, really running this offense and being the quarterback of the offensive line, right? I mean, you talk about what he does for the offense, and you're talking about someone who at least has seen every defensive front and scheme that's ever been envisioned and drawn up. And you can't put a price on that. The fact that, you know what, hey, if it wasn't for Rodney Hudson coming back and you had an inexperienced center, I said this uh, with Drew Stan and Craig Grillo. I would have fully expected the Kansas City Chiefs and basically every opponent the first month to run some sort of exotic front just for the sake of running something crazy, just to see if you could confuse the Cardinals' offensive line. So now at least you don't have to worry about that. We know how stout he is at the point of attack. So the worst thing for any quarterback, especially a shorter quarterback, would be that interior pressure and getting in the face of Kyler Murray. So at least Kyler, you would think, has the has that confidence in his center. And we all saw what happened with some of the shotgun snaps minus Rodney Hudson last year. You take it for granted. It's sort of like, you know, the long snapper. You don't know realize the value of that long snapper until you don't have one you can count on or rely on and who isn't automatic. And when that ball is hitting the ground or that ball is high or wide, man, that can just discombobulate a play right from the snap. You don't you don't want to be talking about an offensive line. Pretty much. You, yeah. you, that, yeah. That's kind of the rule of thumb is if you're talking about the offensive line, usually it's for something like that. You want them to just consistently do their job so well that from your naked eye, you can't even tell necessarily all that they're doing. And center is such a unique position on that offensive line, not to make it sound like it's necessarily the most important, but it is so much more mentally tough because you're having to do so much before you even snap the ball it's it's not just physical and Justin Pugh was even talking about that a couple of weeks ago when he was telling the media he you know might be making the switch to center when we didn't know about Rodney Hudson and that mentally it's just so different than any other position on the offensive line for all that you have to do before you even snap the ball I do there does need to be a, a consistent level, which which you would you think Hudson gives you. I do think there was a few times where Hudson was a little iffy on a couple of shotgun snaps too, and there and were. I feel like yep. there was that that's just something that would be good to like settle down. But but I do think that and there was some speculation real quick that those rib injuries that kept yes. him out. 
he was dealing with those for several weeks yes, before, before he missed he a game. Missing. So, so again, you, you need healthy. I, here's my question. So you've got Rodney Hudson back. I don't think that necessarily precludes them from signing a veteran backup center. I think it's something – I don't think it's automatic now because you have Rodney Hudson, but I, I, w- I, I think they might want to kind of look to see where they go in training camp and who else they have and then maybe – you know, do we want to consider something like this? Because what you don't want to do is be right back to where you started if something happens to Rodney Hudson, you know? What was the year? It was uh, Ted Larson, and they figured out that was – and then they It was brought Ted back, Larson, and there was somebody and else. And they brought in Lyle Senline, right? Senline. It was like two weeks into camp. So if you're going in and you're taking a look at Sean Harlow, you're taking a look at Alicita Smith, for example, okay, but these guys aren't holding up in some of the initial one-on-one drills, you know, D-line, O-line – that's happened before where you get a look at these guys in full pads you go okay no wait a minute we need help okay so here's the deal with the backup which is why i'm thinking okay maybe you think about this sean harlow played i think only one game at center last year was mostly max garcia and he i remember him talking about like it was not a position he had played before we already know justin Pugh's never played it i talked to lisita smith the first time he ever snapped the ball was in workouts before the combine because he knew teams were going to look at him at center, but he and he's never played this. True. Yeah. So, I, I still think potentially getting some, a veteran who's maybe done a little bit makes some sense. Well, and J.C. Treader, Billy Price are still out there as of this recording, so we'll see. We'll see. It, will there be a time time sign? Uh, are we going to see Kyla Murray in camp? We know the Rodney Hudson signing, or at least his return, checks a big box. What sort of expectation is there for the quarterback? It's a very good question. I um, I don't know if Kyler Murray has not signed a contract extension before he is expected to report to camp. I don't know if he's there. Well, I mean, I I, I personally think I feel like he he will be, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's not. Well, first of all, we will know that. As of this recording, it's later in the week when the rookies report, quarterbacks report too. So, you know, they're going to have an idea of what is going on. I I think if you're close, which I feel like we'd hear a lot more if they weren't close to something or in a good place, I think Kyler comes even if you don't have something done because you don't want to upset the apple cart in that way, shape, or form, any way, shape, or form. So, I, I don't know how close they are. I don't know if it gets done by next Tuesday. Um, you know, you've got some leeway here. The first three days of camp, there can be no contact. And then the next two days, which includes the back-to-Saturday practice, that is the first open practice for fans, you can only have helmets and shells. You can't have full pads. So there's no full contact real practice quote-unquote real practice until August 1st anyway so I feel like there's definitely some elbow room to still get this done even if you're not done right when it starts but uh, I guess we're, we're all like Cliff no. Kingsbury we all praying that it gets praying. done that's the operative word that's the word I was going to use yeah praying that his quarterback is there from day one of camp and I'm not going to be the guy who says some sort of non-contact Activity in July is going to make the difference in September through January. But I will say there is room for improvement when it comes to Kyler and the chemistry with his receivers. And so any and all reps are beneficial to make sure guys are in the right place at the right time. And by in the right place, I mean in the right place. So you can have a precise pass that is timed right. That, you know, when, when, when a window of separation in the NFL isn't three feet like it is in the college game, it's three inches. It's absolutely paramount that these receivers be in the right spot. And, and we heard A.J. Green on the Big Red Rage be very honest about it. Yeah, guys weren't on the same page with Kyler often enough. And he cited himself mainly that I have room for improvement in that regard. So in an offseason where you know Kyler's attendance was inconsistent, where some of the receivers' attendance was inconsistent, they didn't get a full offseason. There was all this touting of, okay, finally a regular offseason. Well, there wasn't regular attendance by everyone involved in the passing game. So to me, it is beneficial 
that guess what? Especially since you're not going to get tested, everything's going to be vanilla in these preseason games. The practice reps where you really start to run some of the regular offense because you don't want to show your regular offense in the preseason. You just said we're not going to get tested. And I'm like, oh, God, that's right. We don't have to get tested every day anymore. And <laughs> I, I was not thinking about how you meant it. I was no, thinking about COVID. No, no please something, help. Something to remember, though, Paul, is Kyler Murray works out in Dallas where we know Hollywood Brown has been. And even if they're not posting on social media, so I don't know if they're there every day, Antoine Wesley resides in Dallas. Daryl Williams in Dallas. Eno Benjamin in Dallas. So you would like whatever to think, you in Dallas, Dallas, Dallas. I'm just saying. So if you, Kyler Murray is there working out with Hollywood Brown, you would you would think that his other offensive weapons that are also in the same area are also working out with him. DeAndre Hopkins spends time in the, a Texas Dallas suburb. How, <laughs> how's how's that, Darren? Trying to get around it. Um, so even though they're not posting on social, which is what I've been saying this whole offseason, if they're not posting on social media that they're working out or they're training together, doesn't mean it's not true. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you that there needs to be more of an effort to build that chemistry, which happens on the field, and you would like to see that in some of those team activities that we saw in the offseason where you're right, a lot of the veterans were not in attendance. Again, not just Kyler Murray. I do just want to like remind everybody that just because you're not seeing like a lot of these quarterbacks and players posting all of their workouts and everything that they're doing doesn't mean that your Arizona Cardinals are not doing the same thing. All right, so so what is the biggest question then going into this Cardinals camp? I mean, where how do you feel about this team? Are you more inclined to go with a 7-0, 10-2 version of the Cardinals last season or the final iteration that saw them lose five of their last six? And I guess I'll bat lead off there. To me, I'd love to know if they figured out what was ailing and ill in this team down the stretch. I don't expect them to share the answer. I'd love to know if they have the answer. What happened? What went wrong? We've heard various theories of Buda Baker saying, oh, maybe potentially guys got comfortable. And A.J. Green on that same Big Red Rage interview said, you know what? The leadership might have been lacking a little bit down the stretch. And he cited himself, some of the veteran players in particular. Did guys let up maybe on the little things? Wasn't a couple of players cited and danced around? Well, maybe there wasn't the same attention to detail. Okay, so that's the bad news. That, okay. But the good news is it's correctable, right? It's not our offensive line stinks and we got blown out of every game or we don't have the talent. To me, that says if those were the issues that submarine the end of this season, then that's very correctable. And to me... That explains why there wasn't radical change in the offseason. Again, do they know the answer? I don't expect them to share it with us in any great detail. Yes or no? Do they have the answer to what happened at the end of last season, and can they implement changes effective immediately? There's a couple things that pop into my head when you say stuff like this, Paul. I mean, I would say that, number one, everything's always correctable. I mean, unless you just have a terrible, terrible roster, which nobody thinks the Cardinals do, of course it's all correctable. I mean, you could make that argument with a lot of teams like that. And I think, obviously, this team proved in the first half of the season that they've got some good players and they can win games. So um, if it's not correctable, you might as well just pack it up and start pretending you're the Houston Texans, I guess. But but, but if if you're a three-win team, then you you don't have enough talent. That's what I'm saying. They. They obviously or apparently have the talent. They did have the talent. We don't know if they have the talent this year. Obviously, you want to learn from pieces of the previous season that led to your demise, I guess we could say, right? I would imagine that this team, the players who are still here, the coaches that are still here, have internalized what went wrong. I would feel pretty confident in saying they would pretty much all tell you they don't care at this point. This is a new season and it's a new team. And while it matters in the sense of personally learning to make that correction, be more aware of that this time around, it doesn't really matter because this is not the same team and they're not facing the same teams. There's a good chance they might not be in the same scenario they were last year to where whatever these physical or mental blocks they were facing last year at the end of the season, they'll be facing again this year. So while I understand that it might be frustrating to think about how did this team go from the top and then just plummet near the end I really would think that a lot of them would say at this point 
what's done is done and and not even give it a second thought See, right now. I, I kind of feel the same way. To me, to me, it's all year to year, and you're 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 right in terms of the front office looking at it and saying, okay, we like the talent we have, but I'm not a big fan of momentum either way. I believe there can be a little bit of a hangover if you go all the way to the Super Bowl and you're playing all that extra football and you lose. There's some, there might be some uh, co- uh, talk about that. But even when the Cardinals lost their Super Bowl, they ended up winning 10 games the next year. Um, I, I just feel like it's it's a new deal my my question this year has more to do has nothing to do with last year it's it's okay hollywood brown is a new piece how does he fit in and how much does it hurt you not having deandre hopkins where's the pass rush gonna come from um you know did you lose that much with chandler jones or did you not lose that much with chandler jones with all due respect to chandler jones you know like was he making that big of a deal to it or or was he you know i i, I don't know until and until they start playing those games it's going to have we're going to have a really hard time figuring it out and the way preseason has gone i don't even know if we're going to get a sense of a lot of the key players because none of those guys play anymore yeah across then, the league in addition to all those questions what's the cardinals offense going to look like minus d hop the first 6 games of the year we know what it looked like the last 6 games of the year minus deandre hopkins so what does that mean are they truly going to go with more 12 personnel or not is kyler murray going to be under center or not i would tend to say no Although there was that intriguing comment by Trey McBride, the rookie second-round pick out of Colorado State. By the way, I ran into a guy in the gym, and uh, he talked about you know, he played uh, college hockey or whatever. And I said, where? I said, uh, he's at Fort Collins, and I said Colorado State. And he said, Colorado State University. He corrected me. I called it Colorado State. He wanted to make sure that I called it Colorado State University. It's very important to him, by the way. I thought that was a little strange. I like the subtle awkward. flex that you were in yeah. the gym. <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. No, that's not. That's, I get dragged to the gym. That's another story. Believe me, I'm not there of my own volition or, or want, uh, although definitely need. Uh, but in terms of this Cardinals offense, what exactly is it going to look like minus DeAndre Hopkins? And can they be effective? That's another big question that we won't get an answer to in the preseason, obviously. so Is it going to look a lot different? What? Uh, I, mm, <laughs> Can I, say I was just I thinking through, so? I was just thinking in my head, like I'm pretty sure every part of the offense feels like there's a significant change, really. I mean, okay, right, but right, that has nothing to do with Hopkins. He was just saying in, in general, the offense. Like, no, he just said without DeAndre Hopkins, is like the offense going to look different? See, I, when I, I hear you say that, I'm thinking I, that feels like the question is. I guess I took it, it as gonna, the offense as a whole. Is it going to look like one way when he's not there and then another way when he is there? And I don't know how you would do that. Well, I guess that should clear. I, I don't mean like schematically necessarily. I, I, I'm not saying they're going to go out there and run 13 personnel with one back and three tight ends. Yes, I'm, I mean more performance. Okay, well. Because we all saw the offense bog down, and we can cite all the metrics you want as to what they look like with and without DeAndre Hopkins last year. It was a vast difference in performance and production. So what are they going to be like? For example, is a Rondale Moore really going to be an effective downfield receiver or not? We don't know. Can Trey McBride truly step in right away and be a viable you know, two-way tight end from the get-go if Max Williams is not available? And then how would that dictate what Cliff Kingsbury wants to do on his play sheet? So there are a lot of these different questions that, you know, Hollywood Brown to Darren's point, okay, uh, you know, how exactly is that going to fit and and where exactly is, is that going to impact this offense the most? So all I know is the last time we saw the Cardinals offense, it was struggling minus DeAndre Hopkins. I think we can all agree on that front right there. But is it also because they, for whatever reason, got away from the run a little bit, which several players and coaches have cited over the course of the offseason. Will there be more of that renewed focus on the run game like we saw over the first half of last season, where seemingly they had more of a balanced offense, run versus pass? You can't. Some of that is going to be dictated by how good you can do it. Like, it doesn't, just because you get running attempts doesn't mean it's meaningful. Like, you can't. If you're if James Conner is struggling to get four yards a carry, which he did a lot of the time last year, and it's not like he didn't have a really good year, but you know, you're not gonna be able to just grind out yards like that. It's just I don't think this team is built like that. I, I think this team with the defense it has, I, I think this team is best when it's scoring some points. And you look at who they gotta play right away. I mean, if you're playing the Chiefs, it might help to like 
run the ball a little bit and keep the ball away from Patrick yeah. Mahomes, but you got to make sure that it's going somewhere. I'll give you an example. Drew Stan, former Cardinals quarterback, what, 13 years in the league on a recent Red Sea report said, just big picture, he said, you know what, when the Cardinals offense bogged down, they couldn't run the ball. And he said with more tight ends, we were talking about the addition of Trey McBride and if Max Williams is going to be healthy this year. He said just the tight ends allow that much more versatility in the play calling for Cliff. They don't show your hand as much. So that I guess that would be one aspect of what I'm saying. Is that something they institute more of minus DeAndre Hopkins over the first month and a half? Probably. <laughs> I, I, it's it's just so hard at this. I understand asking the question. It's just so hard when yeah. we haven't really seen anything, right? Like having Hollywood Brown completely changes everything from you know what we thought when we first learned DeAndre Hopkins was going to be suspended. So it's it's just hard. I feel like to think at this point of you know is Hollywood Brown going to start requiring that double coverage? Or is he not? And it's going to be him and A.J. Green, and you can use Rondell Moore a little more. It's just, I wish I had a better answer. That's just kind of how I feel at this moment. And that's why it's obviously having DeAndre Hopkins when he comes back is going to be completely change this offense. But still, is is D-Hop going to get double coverage and leave Hollywood open? Is that going to completely change everything? It's still, I feel like Hollywood himself, just having him here just completely changes everything. Well, it certainly changes everything when you talk about whether you have him or not and didn't have DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, I think if you didn't have Hollywood Brown, mm. and let's say you drafted a receiver but not in the first round necessarily and you drafted a second or third round receiver, I mean, this receiving core would look way different. You'd have yep. to completely lean on A.J. Green, and Rondale Moore better be a star right away. Whereas right now, you can have A.J. Green be probably what he is right now, which is give you some – some stuff down the field when he can just AJ Green's game right now reminds me so much of Fitz's game later in his career. Unfortunately, Fitz didn't always get one-on-one coverage, but you can do some stuff where you just throw it up to him and AJ Green will go get it because he he's just bigger than other guys. He's not going to get a lot of separation. I remember seeing somewhere on social media, somebody was talking about the, the amount of separation as a team that the Cardinal uh, pass catchers got last year was not good. And we can talk about Kyler making decisions and, you know, all that good stuff. But it's not like this team has got a, has had a bunch of receivers that get wide open. I mean, even DeAndre Hopkins isn't always necessarily this super wide open. And that's why it's interesting to see what the downfield uh, passing looks like with Hollywood and Rondale this year. See, all the more reason to have those valuable reps between the quarterback and the receivers to be in the right place at the right time. If you're not getting all that great a separation, then boom, it's, you have to be ultra precise. So we'll see the first open media session where the Cardinals come out. If there's some team sessions and we're allowed to observe accordingly, we'll get a sense. All right. Where exactly is Rondell Moore being deployed? We'll be allowed to observe. I don't know how much we'll be allowed to say. Right. right. Well, here's the biggest question, though, to me that I'm going to keep my eye on from the get-go. Zayvon Collins. Is he running first team Mike linebacker or not? I don't know at what point during camp we'll be able to report on anything like that, Danny, but... I'm telling you, that's where my eyes are going. Paul, I'm going to tell you right now, the answer is going to be yes. They have no choice. At this point, Zayvon Collins is your middle linebacker. I, th- there's no way around it. That, that's the decision the team has made. Do you disagree? I, I, I feel like I, don't disagree. I, I agree. I'm going to keep my eye because I want to see how he's progressed. I feel like there's and, other people that wonder about that defense, a little more seriously. <laughs> Craig Rilo. but I, I don't think it's a question of whether or not he's going to be out there with first team I, I i don't see I, how you don't do that with the decisions that were made and jordan hicks leaving in free agency just with paul saying what he did i'm thinking paul is not on our side on this well that would be too good to be true our yeah. first podcast back after the hiatus if <laughs> yeah. we all just agree right, right off yeah. the bat there's no yeah. fun there let me just say this <laughs> Sorry, let, me, paul. let me just say this both in a my defense and b uh, what led me to even pose the question in the first place last season the final month when you saw inside linebackers run out before Zayvon Collins named Tanner Vallejo and Joe Walker, who got reps at middle linebacker, inside linebacker. So uh, let's not just presume that he's automatically going to be running first team Mike linebacker. In fact, himself in his one and only meeting with the media, or at least most recently last month or whenever it was, 
he hedged that there are different roles for him already. There are some defenses where he's calling the D and there are some where he's not. And so uh, that's why I'm. it really piques my curiosity to figure out, all right, because if he's not capable, if he's not ready yet, and guess what? He didn't get a lot of meaningful reps at Mike Linebacker a year ago. So how much progress has he really made from year one to year two? Wolf and I disagree on this. But if, if he's not ready, how can he be ready if you don't get the game reps? Then I'm just telling you, Vance Joseph has a track record of not trusting his defense to someone he doesn't deem ready to process. And it's not just calling the defense. It's being able to react to what the offense does right after they break the huddle. And you got to make those adjustments in a split decision to make sure everyone's on the same page. And so I'm just saying... I'm not convinced that Vance Joseph is convinced by Zayvon Collins yet. Now, it could be. That's why I'm going to be watching accordingly. I th- that is that is fair yes, with the Tanner Valet. I'm, I'm agreeing that is something yeah. to keep my eye on. I just don't see how right off the bat, even from an optics standpoint, you don't have Zayvon in your, in your first team reps. Well, and the other thing, too, is I would say that if you're going to switch it up, it makes a lot of sense to – go ahead and put him out there at the beginning of camp. You get two weeks in, maybe you make a change, but I'm putting him out there right when camp starts, and I'm seeing what happens. You would think so, unless he's so far behind mentally that it's not even deemed feasible or viable yet. Maybe he's not calling the defense. Maybe you know, maybe that is just too much for him right now maybe that won't ever be in his repertoire throughout his career maybe just thank you maybe that's just not the type of middle linebacker he's meant to be but I still think he will be doing first team reps and we've already it's already been you know said throughout the offseason like maybe Zavin is not calling the the defense it doesn't have to be your middle linebacker so they've already kind of given that as to okay. me, that says, okay, yeah, we've already you know, thought about that part of the plan. I still think he's going to be you know, first-team reps, at least in the beginning. If Zayvon Collins isn't playing inside linebacker, like how you picture it, Jordan Hicks, whatever, but he's on the field, does that work for you? Sure. And once again... Maybe he's better that way. It's not the end of the world if he's not calling the defense. And not just calling the defense. What if some plays they have him at outside linebacker on rundowns or whatever? As long as he's on the field, right? Sure, absolutely. And and you know what? I would not be shocked by that whatsoever if he's at outside linebacker here and there. Really, honestly, I could see a defense on a consistent basis where the inside linebackers are Nick Vigil and Zayvon Collins. And Vigil might be calling the defense. With Isaiah Simmons playing a glorified safety spot and only two corners on the field. And then those three safeties between Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson, and Isaiah Simmons are rotating between center field and box safety and slot corner. Any I, one of those three could be I a abs- slot corner. I absolutely agree with you. Because of the, the lack of depth right now at corner, at least as currently constructed. And with questions at outside linebacker. Yes. So you have a Byron Murphy and a Marco Wilson as your two outside corners. One of those three safeties, including Isaiah Simmons, as your slot corner, and then your two inside linebackers, Nick Vigil, Zayvon Collins. And then at times in different packages like you bring up, yeah, Zayvon Collins could slide outside. You can't tell me that what Micah Parsons did last year and what the Cardinals were forced to do with Zayvon Collins toward the end of last season where he he had to get reps at outside linebacker because of the injury issues, that that isn't somewhere in Vance Joseph's playbook. You just interviewed Vance Joseph recently, Danny. Do tell what what <laughs> what exactly is going on. What are you What are you Spill able to tell? Something. Come on. Okay, everybody can hear what he says on the next episode of Flight Plan. Oh, oh no! Which Come on. later this week, from when we're Come recording, on. I believe it's Friday. It drops. Okay. Flight Plan on our website, on our gotcha. YouTube channel. That's it. I it's see. not. A, I don't. Flight Plan will not be on the website. It'll, on YouTube. our YouTube channel. There you go. You can check it out. Behind the scenes content you get of this there through the website, but it'll be on YouTube. On YouTube. Did you beat him up? Did you hit him hard? You know, did you hit him from all angles on the, you know, Zayvon Collins and, you know, different uh, big questions facing the defense? You know, what, what's the gist of the interview? Well, this whole episode is focusing on the defense. So, yes, Paul, I, those players did come up, and I'm not going to share any more. You're going to have to wow. tune in. Wow. Okay. It's quite the commercial. All right, Danny. So, boom, here, it's right back at you then. Rapid fire, rookie to watch. Which rookie? Are you, do you have your eyes on starting with Cardinals camp next week? I'm going to go with 
my Jay Sanders. Um, only only because between him and Cam Thomas, he is more of that stereotypical outside linebacker, the build. And I think there will probably be a little more versatile in how they will use Thomas as opposed to Sanders, probably being just more of that outside linebacker role. And so that's where I want to see, you know, that that's the rookie that I'm looking for, not necessarily to come in and automatically have all these flashes and say, oh, who needs Chandler Jones? But just to kind of see what you're getting in this this young depth and the rotation that the Cardinals are going to have to be using. I normally would have said one of the pass rushers, but I, that's almost too easy in some ways. Okay. I'm just saying. Uh, I'm going to go with Keontae Ingram because the running back position is very interesting to me. You've got Jonathan Ward who's really made himself valuable on special teams. You signed Darrell Williams. Everybody's talking about how great Eno Benjamin is, which we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Like, how many running backs are you going to keep? And they seemed pretty happy to get Ingram in the draft, but is he a guy that would end up making it through to the practice squad if they needed to? Is there a possibility of keeping five running backs? Which I don't think. But you do need a lot of running backs because James Conner figures to get banged up at some point. They all figure to get banged up at some point because that's that's just the running back position. So I'm curious to see where Ingram falls and if they can get enough reps to really get a good sense of him given all these other guys that they already have ahead of them. That's a good point on Eno. We've heard so much about Eno Benjamin this offseason. Okay, let's see it. Let's see if he looks like a different running back. Let's see if he looks like a difference maker, a playmaker in Cardinals camp. Let's- I will I will say there was a there was a practice, a late OTA practice where he made a fantastic catch of a Kyler throw in the end zone that like I didn't think he had it in him and it was a really nice play, kind of a broken play and he made it in the back of the end zone and I was like that it was very impressive, and and again, we'll see where that goes. I mean, ultimately, I think he can make plays like that. The question has always been, to, you know, if you're in pass protection, can you hold up there? Yeah, pass pro and then the playbook, right? Those were the two issues facing Eno Benjamin where he kind of lost the confidence of Cliff Kingsbury, who's been pretty vocal about how he wasn't really – I don't know if Eno Benjamin was in the head coach's doghouse his rookie year, but he certainly wasn't on the holiday card list, put it that way. So, And you know what, Danny, right back at you on this one. I had hosted a thing with Cliff Kingsbury not too long ago, about a month ago or so, and I'm not going to tell you the exact nature of what he said. But Is it's that because I'm not telling you about flight plans? Exactly. It's, it's, but it's not, just, dang it. it's not just media speak and Eno Benjamin. He brought up Eno Benjamin on his own to a different audience as being impressive in the offseason. So... I started to wonder, you know, conspiracy theories over here, if they were trying to prop up maybe his trade value, you know, Benjamin. He's been listening to this podcast because he must have heard your theory. Apparently it was genuine. So, uh, you know what? I'm going to go way off the grid since you guys went with the uh, the edge rushers and or running backs. I'm going to go with Nolan Cooney, the backup punter. And you guys well, laugh. You, no, you, you laugh. Say, you have been saying if there was going to be scoff. a punter battle. <laughs> no, I'm you sorry, scoff. Paul. It's a half yeah. at this point. And I saw somebody just wrote an article. I think it was the special azcardinals.com, state of the position groups, right, in special teams. And they cited, right, that Andy Lee had his best net punting average ever as an Arizona Cardinal, which I didn't quite realize that he had that good of a season. I'm not saying he had a bad season. What I'm saying is this Nolan Cooney cat – he actually made a real run at the punter job in New Orleans. He's legit, and he's a very experienced holder. So, and and he also is an emergency kicker. He could even do the kickoffs. He's got a very strong leg. So, I think this guy actually might make a run. And I mean, Andy Lee's now forty years of age, and I love Correct. Andy. But I, I'm just saying, if you're looking for someone off the grid to maybe make a run at things, at some point, his twenty-one year NFL career is going to come to an end. You know what, Paul? I am really pulling for you on this because you have had a rough off season of your predictions with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and where See, everyone the, was going to end up. That I'm is, really pulling for you to have one. This is before your time, Danny, but. Uh, Paul's really been living off the Kyler Murray come for the arm, stay for the legs thing. Wow. Oh, that hurts. That that really hurts. Is is, is Kyle back on this podcast? (laughs) You know, it is true that um, I've had some recent swings and misses with the Paul. You're bound to hit one. No, it's the Paulie Pigskin breakout player at camp. I always oh, do this. Right. Yes, you do. And I, I kinda, you're not saying Nolan Cooney is that guy. No, though, not yet. No, I'm not. I'm not ready to declare my Paulie Pigskin breakout player at camp. Honestly, I need to give it more thought this year because I'm kind of I've had a dry spell. Um, it started pretty auspiciously back in the day. I had Greg Toller 
And then a few years after that, I had Tony Jefferson. I nailed Tony Jefferson. Tony Jefferson's a good one. Greg Fuller so, was like a fourth It was okay. Pick. It was all right. I mean, was... You know. And then, and then I, I did have Max Hall one year as the Pauly Pigskin breakout player camp. And in terms of camp, you were yes, right. In terms of NFL career, not so much. But recent flameouts have included, um, well, in no particular order, the likes of um, Chris Streveler and uh, JoJo Ward Streveler and that corner out of Air Force Zane Lewis. And there was um, the Larry Fitzgerald lookalike receiver out of the small oh, school, yeah. Chris Sean Hogan. Uh, that year, I think I pivoted. I, I somehow found an excuse to make an. I went to, with Ricky Seals Jones a little later in the process. Then, uh, and I think that one got thrown out and disqualified. Charles Knopf, did you ever do Charles? No, Knopf? I did not. I did not. How about Dan Arnold? Dan no, Arnold. Dan, Dan, no, don't call him Chad Knopf. That was uh, that was the Dan Arnold. Everybody, I actually had Dan Arnold, but everybody was on board with that. That was like one of those party waves with super, surfers called big wave came up and everybody got on it. So I got off. Um, but anyway, I need a good one. I have to do some more research, and I have another week here before I'm going to you know, unveil it officially. Do you have to unveil it before we get it into camp? Is that the rule? Yeah, before they actually take the field. Got I it. actually have to uh, bust out the Pauly Pigskin breakout player at camp. So we'll, we'll see. So does that mean, okay, so uh, for those listening, um, we will normally be on Tuesdays, but next week because camp is opening on a Tuesday and there's some logistical issues, we'll do next week's on Wednesday. So can you there have you one for Wednesday? Yep. yep, hold me to it. Next Very Wednesday. Excited. Next this Wednesday. Is so Exciting. Okay. This is my so. first training camp. <laughs> That's right. With the I started with the Cardinals. Okay. I started week four last year. All right. So what does she need to know, Darren? Go ahead. You're a grizzled veteran of these training camps. What does she need to know? She needs to know it'll be. I don't know. I. It's so weird that the last two years have been COVID ravaged. That's true. And then. Yeah. I just. It just feels really different. I'm excited to have. A lot. I mean, we our our department has a lot of people that have never been to a Cardinals training camp before. So. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> gonna be a little bit of uh, there'll be some hurdles there. Darren, do you ever feel like maybe a teacher taking the kids out on a field trip? That, that's what this might be like. I'm, I'm just saying. I used to love taking field trips. That makes me really excited. <laughs> like where? Do you remember? Do you vividly remember a, a field trip? Like museums? Yeah, museums. Okay. Um, Amusement parks, maybe. I guess it's not we, a field you know, trip. Yeah, it's no, more no, like we, a class outing. Yeah, yeah, no, we went to like Six Flags a couple times. Uh, in fact, in growing up, they stopped doing it. But when I was in elementary school, we used to have fair day. So everyone would get off a day of school and they'd give you like a free ticket to the state fair. I've never been to the state fair. You know what? I have here. And I've lived here since you know 1976. That I went? <laughs> it was like I've been here for less than a month and I went. There you go. So you've beat me there. So. Sorry. Is he missing a lot by not going to a state fair, Danny? I mean, level with him, right? He's probably not missing a whole bunch. No. <laughs> no. First of all, she's going to say, yeah. the one in Texas is way I better. I wasn't going to say it, but I was yeah. thinking it. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well. Whatever. So I was a vacation. Who, who, who wants to flex on their vacation? Anybody have a huh? I didn't have any huh? good the, the boys and I, Alec, Eric, Darren Urban, threesome, okay. won the uh, – when the the uh, we went on a cruise, we won the ship's three on three basketball tournament. Wow, <laughs> you know, you do know that there are employees here who play pickup basketball. You should join them. I have asked. <gasps> I have asked Ooh, to play. That makes me sad. And they have not invited me. Oh, I'm sorry. I said, hey, if you ever want to invite me, I'd love to play. Just show up. They, they won't radio re- silence. You're not part of the reindeer games. What's going on? I, I have my thoughts, but. I see. Are these are these former players, like coaches and stuff, like those yeah. who are athletically inclined? Like these, these, these people, be, these these these, um, these coworkers are not that athletically <laughs> inclined. <laughs> these these would be part of our department, Paul. Jeez, geez, Danny just unloading on her coworkers. Okay, I'll tell All them right. to their face. It's okay. fine. Oh, so would right. I. Wow. Yeah. Mm, okay. okay. Sorry. So, congrats right. on the win. Thank you. Okay. Not bad. All right. Not good. Paul, you just got back from a while. Yeah. You've our office yeah. has been. Not Where'd the you same go? Hawaii? You. No, no. We had a few uh, different the things. The Maldives? They, they, I, I wanted to. They, they, we actually had a Hawaii vacation that fell through. We didn't do it. So I uh, just went back, visited the uh, the grandparents for the kids. So see my parents. Bay Area? Yep. Okay. Right on the Monterey Bay. So it wasn't bad. When we, we drove to the airport, it was 58 degrees and foggy. And then I got back to the AZ and it was buck 13. So yep. that was a reality check. Works. There's no doubt about that. Uh, not bad. Did some kayaking. Uh, did some really poor surfing. Let's see. Went for a couple of sailboat rides, and then I got rear-ended 
in my old man's uh, car, so I was driving the, the kids around and uh, got rear-ended by a guy at the light. So Everybody that was okay? Good. Not only did – this is an unconventional uh, accident. Let me just tell you this real quick. So I'm at the light. We're going left. There's two lanes going left. I'm on the inside, and a guy comes to a screeching halt behind us. You know when you look up in your rear view and you go, man, yes. that guy almost didn't stop in time. Yeah. Okay, so that was that guy. And five seconds later, boom, he just drills us from behind. What? The light was still red. Nobody was moving. Everybody, three lanes worth of traffic, a dead stop, and he just drills us out of nowhere. So what he says? As if he thought it was green. And so then we pull over, and the guy's behind me, and we go into a parking lot. I'm like, is this guy going to bolt? Because I can see in the rearview mirror, he's like pounding his steering wheel mad at himself. Okay. He gets out, immediately hits the vape. He starts puffing. Oh, yeah. And says, I've been under a lot of stress, man, lately. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? He's, and I'm like, do you know how to drive? Like, I literally, I'm like, do you know how to drive? And he's like, what are you doing? I can see Paul doing that. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, man. And then he starts making up some ridiculous story. What was story. in the vape? Don't know. But uh, I said, let me call my insurance. And instead, I called the cops. And Ooh. they showed up. And, well, you have to get a, re- you have to get a police report anyway. Yeah, I like that. But I and like how so, you did that so that, you know, yeah, you wouldn't bail. Yeah, I didn't know. What, the guy, I had the kids with me. I don't know if the guy's unhinged or what at that point. So, anyway, no insurance, no registration. Um, and so he couldn't drive home, but it became a civil matter because it was just a collision. They said he wasn't under the influence. Maybe they didn't want to deal with it. I don't know. And then here's the kicker, and I'll leave you with this on Cardinals Underground. The next day, I take the 15-year-old punk to the gym. And he go, he walk in, and he punches me, and he goes, look. No way. And across the way no way. is the dude who ran into us. No way. For real. He's over there working out. He's using the Smith machine, over there working out. I'm like, and I, I paused, and I said, should I go out in the parking lot and see if he drove the same car? And should I call that in? But because they give you a police report with each other's information, address, name, because you have to call it in your insurance, I'm thinking, nope. It's my old man's car. He's got my parents' information, and and I left it alone. <laughs> it's one of those moments where, like, I really wanted to call the cops and report the guy again because I'm guessing he drove the same car without any insurance or any registration right back to the gym the next well, day. Well, why would he care? If he's right. already driving around without registration, right. what yeah. would stop him? Right. So Did you get any you vacation? Danny? No, I just um, I went to a certain place a couple times throughout the year, but I don't want to mention it on the podcast. Did it start with a D? Maybe. <laughs> it's where my family is, Darren. I'm allowed I to go home. I, I w- obviously would love. No, I did. I went. I went home uh, this last weekend because. I told my parents that it, it just didn't look like I was going to make it home during the season. It lucked out last year, our bye week around the regular season. Right. Obviously, you'll be there in the preseason. Wh- what? August 12th. Th- that, that is in Kansas City, not oh, Dallas. Sorry. So joke's on you, Darren. Anyway, <laughs> I had told my parents I wasn't going to, you know, I had no plans to go home during the season with how our schedule fell. Um, and so my dad said, you know what? We'll fly you out one more time before training camp. See your friends. See, you know, your family one more time before life gets crazy. I said, okay, great. Like, let's pick a weekend. He's like, why don't you come home this weekend, this this past weekend? I said, great. Booked my flights. And I learned my parents were in Mexico for a wedding. So my dad really wanted me to come home so I could watch the dogs. <laughs> so I got to my house Thursday night around 10 yep. o'clock. And I had about 30 minutes with my parents, and they left the house Friday morning at 5 a.m. to go to the airport. I even offered to take them to the airport to, like, have time with them. And I was like, no, we're just going to drive our car and valet it. Okay. See you in a couple months. <laughs> so that was my that was my final vacation this past weekend. See, that's why she doesn't care about $11 million or not. Instead of, you know, her folks, they, they don't need some sort of free ride to the airport. They're just going to valet it. Obviously, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I, obviously, I the money is anecdote. no matter in the Sarek family. That's what I've I, ascertained. I, that's I what think, I've ascertained here. I think winning a basketball tournament tops getting rear-ended or <laughs> being right. ignored by your parents. Yep. So. You know what, Darren? You're right. You're right. You, you take home the vacation honors. There you go. on this. Uh, so you can flex on this edition of Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.